0: Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Since Hanye and I chatted in July, she has moved with her husband and small daughter to Berlin, Germany. When she left Iran a decade ago, she thought she was going to be gone for a year. The plan was to earn a master's in photography in Strasbourg, France, then to return to her homeland. Instead, she fell in love, married, and moved six times over the following 10 years. And when she looks at the facts, she knows it's not her destiny to settle anytime soon. All this moving, adjusting, and learning new languages has given Hanye a strength and perspective that few of us can claim. Most significantly for me, Hanye challenges me to reconsider and redefine the word home. For her, it is a collection of mindfully chosen things, both immaterial and material. And I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear that food holds a significant role in this curation, including the smoked eggplant dish she discusses from the place of her happiest memories, the north of Iran. Welcome, Hanye. What's your daughter's name? Nora. Nora. And she's just four? Yeah, she's just Well, I hope it eases up for you. I really do.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just, it's isolation. Isolation, it is kind of driving all of us crazy. But again, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of things happening in life and in the world that you just have to say, I'm healthy and I have my family, my
0: husband, my daughter. And yes, and this will end. That's just something I've been thinking about lately that... I don't want to just look back and say I got through it. I want to yeah. look back and say I did something positive with it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. 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 My aunt has a sentence we, the whole
1: family has actually, she says, it can be okay instead hmm. of so it will be okay. And then there's That's... a lot of truth in it. Yeah. It, it's not certain, <laughs> but the possibility of it to, that, it can be okay at the end so every huh. time you know we talk with my sister like, yeah it can be okay That means there is hope oh. we actually my sister made a poster with that mm-hmm. sentence it's framed she sent it to us it's framed it's so cute because she loves peppa pig now so she you know they made a poster with peppa pig on it that it says it can be okay peppa pig
0: is saying it can be okay and we have it on the wall which is super cute i really like that that can it really kind of invites you to consider possibility right yeah. Instead yeah. of just like some simple platitude, but this word it changes it to it
1: makes it so real.
0: Yes, it means
1: the possibility for real is there, you know, it may not, but at the same time, the possibility of it to be okay is more real than it will
0: be okay. Well, you know? yeah, and I think I think it kind of invites us to add it can be okay if. So yeah. if what, if what, and can we make those things happen? Like, do we have to wait for it to be over or can we work towards that now? I really like that. <laughs> it can be okay, Becky. <laughs> it can be okay. So first of all, I, I do need to back up a little bit and just ask you, but I don't know how to yeah. pronounce your name. So forgive me. The exact Persian pronunciation is Hanye. Hanye.
1: Yeah, it's like Kanye
0: with H. So, okay. yeah, but I do get honey, honey. Okay, that sounds honey. All right. Yeah. I actually wrote down the phonetic. <laughs> so I can <laughs> say it, hopefully, as close to properly as possible. No, yeah, I mean, perfectly. It's the minimum of respecting someone is to pronounce their name properly, right?
1: And don't, oh. don't worry. You know, you get used to it. And sometimes, you know, other people's name are... Different for me from other cultures, and I feel uncomfortable. Something. Like, oh, how do I pronounce this? I love the uh, world of written internet because you don't need to pronounce; <laughs> you're just writing it.
0: That's that's true. Well, let's talk about that. Instagram. I I connect with a lot of people through Instagram, mm-hmm. but few people have photography and. I know when an image is a Henya image, your photography is absolutely beautiful. And it clearly comes from like deep within you. You're so, so kind for saying that. It
1: makes me happy because, you know, a few times said, that is the best thing I can hear because it right. means I'm creating something that is it's kind of a signature that's the best photographer wants so you the fact that you say this it's very very sweet and kind thank you when i started the food photography and started actually following accounts it wasn't like based on i never followed account based on followers but just based on how good their work has been and i was blown away it made me you know i i got so inspired in many ways that um, it actually turned me into what I am right now. It Mm -hmm. made me want to become one. It was once I actually got on Instagram and started following people that I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is such a vast field with many possibilities that I can actually
0: express myself. Yes, yes. So tell me, you said you just got to food photography two years ago, but someone yeah. doesn't just develop this level of skill oh. in two years. Oh. That goes back deep. So tell me from the beginning, your path to where you okay. are
1: now. Uh,
0: I actually didn't touch a camera till I went to university
1: in 2002, I believe. I have to, you know, switch the years because we have our own calendar.
0: Mm, uh, the names
1: of the month and dates and year is so different
0: okay this uh, is a Persian a Persian calendar yeah yeah okay. it's a
1: Persian calendar so uh it's 1400 there when it's 2020 here so <laughs> really <laughs> thinking about it uh, yeah it was 2002 that I went to the university to study graphic design before then you know I always was passionate about Art and painting. As a child growing up, I was just painting all the time, drawing. So I had that skill before. Mm-hmm. But then decided to do graphic design um, because I I was also looking at it as a career. I wanted to be independent, making money, and you know, it was booming at the time. You know, especially being in a country that is developing, um, graphic design was something that I was thinking it would be a good career for me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I went to the university and the second year we started having these classes in photography and I spent a lot of time actually in the dark room. I can tell you eight hours straight, I would just spend in the dark room. So any free time I had, I was just there. Mm -hmm. And I think it was 2004. There was this student media award going on in Ibda, Dubai. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I submitted a photo and it it was among the finalists. So I got invited there for about 10 days or something. Wow. And I didn't win the category, but I was among the finalists. That gave me another boost.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's when it started. But even when I finished, you know, university and I started working as a graphic designer, I did a lot of photography for, you know, the studio I was working for. When there was photos involved, I would just offer to do it. Yeah, till 2009, um, I was a graphic designer. I was working full time. And then in 2009, I moved to France to do my master's degree at the University of Strasbourg. Mm-hmm. And there I actually picked my subject to um, digital photography for my thesis. So the photography has been there for me I, since 2002, imagine. So how many years? 18 years. Wow. <laughs> But I didn't work as a photographer, freelance photographer, till recently because life is just so crazy, you know, drags you places. And so I, uh, I met my husband at the beginning of my travel to France for, you know, education. And he moved he, to France. He's Iranian, friend? and he has been raised in United States since childhood.
0: So okay, he's an yeah. Iranian American.
1: Yeah, and I met him when he was visiting iran right before i go to france and we just we became friend just friend and when i once i moved to france we were in touch more and we just felt there's something more than that and then he actually came to france decided to stay with me mm. and it just went so fast so mm. He actually put his education on hold. He was a student getting his master's degree at Harvard at the time. So he put it on hold over a year for me and stayed with me in France till I finished. And then we
0: went back to Boston.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. It sounds like maybe he felt like it was more than France from the beginning. <laughs> it went so
1: fast. You know, It's like I, I absolutely believe now the person that you are supposed to be with, there is something very very strong going on from the beginning do you remember when you first met absolutely absolutely I was amazed by him at the same time was I was about to just leave the country and it was a huge change for me Mm -hmm. that I was not even thinking about a relationship at Mm -hmm. all but that actually helped us to get closer because when I was in France I don't know anyone and he's just available you know he's mm-hmm. he was online available and i had a lot of actually philosophy questions and his major was philosophy philosophy of art and you know the new language and everything so i'm not just reaching out to him for questions and he's just explaining to me everything and mm-hmm. that's how it started and then we
0: got into more personal conversations and yeah it's a yeah. short leap from philosophy to personal conversations <laughs> And we we talked a lot for hours, 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 and you know, we were both
1: 27, eight years old at the time. So we weren't like teenagers, we had we were talking about serious things. Right.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, that's how I actually went ended up to go to United States which was not in my planning at all uh, when I was leaving. I was just going to France to do my degree and then come back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got married and I followed him back to Boston when he finished his uh, degree there. And then he got actually accepted for a PhD program in Berkeley, California. Okay. So we moved to Berkeley, California for five years. And... Then the last year of that, he got an um, exchange program to go to UK, the University of Manchester, UK. So we moved there and he got offered a postdoc position to Exeter, which is why we are here now. <laughs> I so,
0: see.
1: yeah, it has been. So I started as my for my
0: own degree and then we, f- we followed the journey for his so far. So were you doing through those moves, were you doing graphic design? I, you would just find no, graphic no.
1: No, I didn't. I since I left Iran, I didn't do graphic design. And because when I was in France I was full time student. Yeah. And then when I went to United States it was was a huge culture shock for me at the beginning. Mm. And also because I knew very little English. Mm. And that whole package made me so confused that I didn't know what to do and everyone was saying you know go back to graphic design I was like I don't even know the words of the things you know I was yeah, using I before how to translate it how mm. am I going to communicate mm. to and then the software that we were using at the time in Iran were so different than the one in United mm. States and I just I just felt I need to go through and it just didn't feel right and then we moved to, to California and then it was a new place for me and then I did some um unblated jobs you know because I needed to learn the culture and I couldn't learn it by sitting at home I needed right. to be among people yeah and as hard as it was I had to just get out and go work and just learn mm-hmm. and that's what I did and then, you know, my daughter was born. And as you know, in the United States, there's no
0: uh, child yep. support system. So Yeah, yep. you're faced with um, a tough decision. And we yeah. all, we're all faced with it.
1: Yeah, so I stayed home mm-hmm. for two years
0: mm-hmm. since we moved to
1: UK. Okay. And then since we moved to UK, it has been, again, nine months in Manchester. And now it's a year and three months here. But since we moved to UK, I went for the food photography so at the time I was home with my daughter I just started taking photos more and more and then I just realized I need to get back to my artistic side put it back together to make something for myself to work as a freelancer that I can travel with because I see that I'm not settling and I need a job that can move with me yes You know, when you move constantly, there is a huge amount amount of time and energy goes to adjusting. You know, it's not I'm going between the cities. I have been going through countries that
0: they are very different. Right, right. right. Yes. And I, I imagine there's a part of you that feels like, you know, I've heard from people who maybe grew up in US military families. So as you know, in the US military families travel a lot and kids have said, you know, they kind of got to reinvent themselves. It was almost like they had a new identity each place they went. And at some level, that's wonderful. But I imagine at this point in your life, you're like, no, I need to do something that's the same in every place that cements and connects me to my identity and food photography does that for you
1: yeah absolutely and the reason I chose food was that because food is what is connecting me back to my country I'm Mm. still cooking uh you know Persian food Mm. (laughs) a lot of you know four or five times a week I would say Mm. and um it is a part in me it's developing it's not changing and you know there are things that you don't even think at the beginning when you're moving that these are going to be challenges like when I moved from US to UK you know you think it's the same language and so that should be fine and <laughs> but you come um, first the accent I had a hard time mm-hmm. understanding some you know and it, it is embarrassing embarrassing it's the language it has been the ha- the hardest part for me because mm-hmm. in Farsi I'm very well spoken
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it adds a lot to my character and then you go to a country that you have to learn a new language and mm-hmm. then speak that language it's like you're forced to write if you're right-handed with your left hand.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. And again, it's this idea of your identity, like something is stripped away.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, my character changes, I become shy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not shy when I'm talking in Parsi at all. So Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it's a huge, huge change. So but the funny part was, when I moved to UK, I didn't think, you know, the little things like banking is different. For example, you know, you don't think like that. I mean, the way you do your bills for water and gas and electricity and all that is different. It doesn't work here the same way. Yeah. So then, uh, and I'm actually about to move to another country. I have to learn a new language, which I don't <sighs> speak one word. <laughs> um, I am in awe of months. you. Say that uh, again. And two, two, next two or three months. Oh. It's gonna happen. I know. And uh, I'm excited and anxious. And but at the same time, it's just something I have recently accepted. That is apparently my life. I am not gonna settle anytime soon. And I just should, you know, get the best
0: out of it. Mm, I want to say yeah. what your sister said. It can be okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, true. Exactly. can be, okay. Well, so you've done a beautiful job of saying why you chose food photography. What I want to do is put it all in context of what is, you know, home. So you wrote a few weeks ago that you were just having a really homesick day. And my heart completely went out to you. And honestly, even more so now that I know your destiny <laughs> is not to put down roots, but you're going to, you know, like you said, not settle for a while. So tell me about home. What does that mean to you? Um,
1: this one is, I think, the most complicated question to answer. Mm. Um, I definitely have gone through different phases of how I feel about home and where I call home. And, um, for some years, I would say at the beginning, when I moved, I lived in the past totally. And I was just homesick homesick. Okay. Okay. I see. Go ahead. And then, um, after a couple of years, I'm like, okay, that's it. I was living then, then I was living in future, like home would be where I settle uh, and I didn't think I'm going to travel this much. I, it really wasn't planned. It wasn't, you know, clear. So the settling point in my mind was going to be my home. And yeah. so I'm living in future. I'm living for future. Yeah. And it was till, I would say again, a couple of years ago, almost two years ago when we moved to UK, that I decided to accept that I can't call a country or city at the time my home. I don't know when the settling gonna happen. So mm-hmm. I need to make the home for myself. So now the definition of home has changed. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not a specific city or a country, it's a collection of things that makes me feel at home or close to it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, memories indeed. The, ta- the time I spend with family or I spend now with family and friends when we meet, um, food, definitely. Mm. Some belongings, which may sound, you know, funny, but no, you know, because I'm, I'm gathering along the way and I have actually, I've had it. I brought it from Iran and, you know, bought it back in US and just, you know, taking it place, you know, country to country. The funny, is now they probably, uh, you know, they have a uh, hundred times more emotional value than their real financial value and of the course. amount I pay to move it from place to places. Mm-hmm. Books, we have many books, me and my husband together, we have about 25 boxes of books. It's like 500 kilogram of books. Mm -hmm. That you're carrying around, you know. That's a lot of books. (laughs) It's crazy. And then, you know, the rugs I have from backgrounds, frames, Mm -hmm. photos, little things. I have this emotional connection with them and they makes me feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And when I have them in home around me and then, you know, the food I make and the traditions I try to keep alive and celebrate, all these are making me feel home. And a lot of it goes back to Iran, of course. Home for me is fragmented now, made of Mm -hmm. many little things that reminds me of home.
0: So that makes sense. I don't know if it It, makes sense. (laughs) It does make sense. It does make sense. And I think about you said, you know, those material things that might sound, I don't know what words you used, maybe silly, but I feel like they're kind of, do you know that, that fairy tale Hansel and Gretel? Yes. Okay, I feel like they're little breadcrumbs.
1: I hope it's getting me home, not today. Yes,
0: yes, it's like they walk you back through these (laughs) memories that have made your life. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. Let's start back in Iran. You wrote the most beautiful thing. Can I just read what you wrote? As we were driving the mountain road up and once we would get to the top and then down passing through the tight forest to get to the sea, all of a sudden the air would change, the smell of the air, so fresh, so fragrant. Everything there was sweet to me and never would get old and I would find twice my appetite for food when we were there. Anything we would eat tasted delicious. The wild berries we would pick, the ice creams made of local dairy farms, the fresh walnuts I still love so much, the shape of the tea farms, the hospitality of its people, the authentic bazaars, these and more have been woven into many sweet memories for me. That's beautiful.
1: I have chills right now, and you read back my own sentences, because it's truly a part of me that I cherish those memories, those moments in my mind. I I remember them almost daily, something about it. Mm. And uh, my mom is from north of Iran. So we, from Gilan, where the dish we are going to talk about later comes from. Mm -hmm. The north, it's so beautiful. uh, when the language is different, but the root is the same. I don't know what you call it in English. Um, a dialect? Yes, exactly. A dialect. So they have their own dialect. So if, if you're not from there, you don't understand much. Interestingly enough, I can't speak it, but I understand it because of my grandmother. Because I probably learned it as a child when she was talking with my mom. Mm-hmm. So... I had this connection with them. Even their language was something interesting for me that I could understand. But at the same time, it wasn't that something I would speak, and my grandmother was speaking. And my mom, all of a sudden, she could,
0: mm.
1: we were going to the bazaar, and then all of a sudden, she would just talk their language. She would get a good fish, for example. You know, mm. it's just, it was her home. It was the second home for me.
0: Mm. Wow. You know, so many of my, memories are attached to thanksgiving christmas mm-hmm. tell me about some of the traditions and the routines either weekly routines or daily routines or holidays that made home home to you um daily routines i
1: would say it's changed a lot even mm-hmm. within the past 10 years i have left so many things has changed but growing up if i want to tell you because that's what it has made yeah. me mm-hmm. um we lived in the streets so oh. kids were out in the streets we we would go to school come back and we were just in the streets playing with the neighbors neighbors kids um you know biking all, all the things and then our parents would just come out and sit by the doors on chairs by each other and they talk and we play and especially during summer, one of the things makes me so nostalgic when the sun goes down during summer and the streets feels hot, but it's not hot anymore. Mm.
0: You know, that
1: feeling that it's mm-hmm. cooling down almost and the smell of the air and then the lights coming on and that time that we I loved so much because it meant Playing with adults at the same time because they are there and we are playing and the night is falling and it's not hot actually it's very nice and then the food they would bring out you know the watermelon they cut we share all together the berries we would the neighborhood I was living in till I was about eight years old uh, the houses they all had little gardens mm. and um, you know they mostly they had fruits uh, trees. Wild berries and things like that, and then we would just pick from the neighbor's house. All together, you know, of course, they would give us the permission. But that was amazing on a daily basis. We were out. Tehran is a very live city. Yeah. Sleep, and nor does the people Iranian. They, I think, there is something about it that in you in uh, United States, I actually heard a lot from American. They call them party people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a part is that a lot of gatherings and even if it means in this street together, you know, and even even in when there's traffic jam going on vacation to north of Iran, if you get stuck in a traffic jam, you see people coming out and hanging out together. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can't see that anywhere else. So <laughs> And that was a part. That's
0: amazing. Yes, I've never seen that. I've never seen, you know, on the Beltway. I live in the D.C. area where there's some of the worst traffic in the U.S. I've never seen people get (laughs) out of their car and just start to socialize. That's unreal. Yeah. And then they share food. Imagine
1: we always have fruits in the car, you know, something very Iranian. (laughs) Wow. And tea, tea flat, you know, tea uh, flasks, and then we just share food and talk and dance. People sometimes just put the music on high and, <laughs> in the car and dance. Oh, yeah, that's it is. It is part of the you know culture, I would say. But beside that, if I want to talk about traditions, um, noru is our New Year, which is the yes. yeah, which is the first day of um, spring. Uh, that we celebrated and um, it falls, I believe, 20th it changes uh, on your calendar would be 20th or 21st of uh, March Mm -hmm. and uh, that has a whole tradition around it we have a table set with seven elements, each element is a, a symbol of something nice, you know like wealth, health, wisdom that we wish that the new year would bring for us So that's something I still celebrate. It doesn't matter where I go. I find all those elements, put up my table and get up to celebrate
0: Mm.
1: because it's not like uh, your new year. It's always at midnight. Yeah. But our new year doesn't have a fixed time because the way it's celebrated, it's the exact moment, hour, the minute and the second that the earth turns to spring. Isn't that amazing? I, it's, it is. But it means sometimes it's 3 a.m. Yeah, we fun. wake up. I remember my parents always, and now as a parent, I appreciate it even more. They would wake up and they would get ready because one thing, one of the traditions is you buy new clothing for yourself and your kids and you wear them for the new year moment. Oh, okay. and So you would put everything uh, old aside. The week before that, everyone is um, do spring cleaning in the house. So everything should be washed and clean, Mm. which is (laughs) very tiring. But at the same time, (laughs) you get up, you hold hands around that table, Uh, you say a prayer after and then read poems. And then the elderly would give the younger ones uh ad which is cash money which is amazing (laughs) and and i gave my daughter this year for the first time that she would actually understand oh my god she was so happy Uh, she was holding it and we went buying toy for her Mm. the whole thing was so 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 exciting for her so Mm -hmm. she actually asked me to bring the table she thinks if i put this the setup she would get it again i'm like no it's like christmas actually
0: (laughs) (laughs) hello listeners just a brief interlude here as we discuss iranian traditions This year, I am hoping to create a crowdsourced Thanksgiving episode, which will give our non-American listeners a glimpse into everything this crazy holiday can be. And for us Americans, I'm imagining an episode that we can listen to and relate with and laugh and smile as we prep Thanksgiving dinners that are unfortunately sure to look a little different this year than any other year. So if you're willing to contribute even if you're not sure what to share yet, I can help you with that. Please email me at Becky at the Storied recipe.com. This is the first time I've ever tried a crowdsourced episode like this. I don't know if it will work, but I I really hope it will. And I do believe if we collaborate, we can come up with something really communal and fun and exciting. So again, I'd love to share your story. I need your story. Please email me at Becky at the for more information. And here we are back to Honey A. What do you do now? to preserve your traditions and heritage and create this concept of home as you move from place to place with your current family? And how much does food play into that? Uh, it does play a lot, actually. If I was just telling to my husband a few days ago that
1: I actually know now what to buy here in UK, like as rice, because rice is... Mm. Persian rice is very different from like Indian rice or Chinese. So we parboil it and, you know, the grains should get long, soft, but separated. The smell and the taste of it should be very distinct. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, in any kind, you know, each country, there is like a brand finally that does it. And um, so I was just telling him this in this new country, now I have to go and find another mm-hmm. rice again. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm loving the one we are having here. But yeah, it is, uh, food definitely is one. At least half of the dishes we have are Persian dishes. And I want my daughter to get the taste and just feels easy to us, feels home. And then everyone coming to my home love it, love it from Iranian and non-Iranian. So it has become something that I have to offer. But yeah, food, definitely. And then uh, we celebrate the longest night of the year, which is Yalda. They go actually to, traditionally they would go to the elder uh, elderly houses, everyone to grandparents' houses, and they would just sit together, read po- poetry. And I still do that in very tiny version. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, you know, the music, the Persian
0: music uh, I listen to, And the Persian poetry and all that. I had a feeling you were going to bring up the poetry. And uh, yeah, just your home language and yeah, that shared history.
1: I actually have uh, poems that can Mm -hmm. turn into a book. Like many, I have been writing poems. You've been writing poems? Yeah, in Persian (sighs) since I was a teenager. And my first blog actually was in Persian um, for about 20 years now. Really? Yeah, I've been in writing before being in anything visual. Uh, But that has taken away from me. I have written less and less. Mm -hmm. And during, you know, these years, you know, I still write, but less and less and less. It's just... You know, I learned Fran- French and then I learned English and, you know, the struggle between these languages. And then they become the language you speak during the day and you think you try to think that way and you read. And they never become really the first language. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just takes a lot of your
0: mental energy. So, but, but honey, a, what you wrote in English, it was so beautiful. Really? So Oh yes, oh yes, really. I I, I don't well, I don't usually read what people write on these episodes, but yours were so beautiful. I just thought there's I have to read this, so yeah, I lot. can only imagine how beautiful it must be in your home language. And I have heard that if you understand it, Persian is a very beautiful language.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm you know I can't I can't talk about it. I would be biased, but
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it's a it's a language of poetry indeed. So. Mm, 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 mm so i have two follow-up questions and if these if these get sensitive then we can just take them out but um i interviewed another iranian woman of well a couple months ago and your memories are so different than hers and (sighs) and and that's i mean of course if you interviewed any american if you any even interview any american about coronavirus right some of us are largely affected, some are unaffected right so it's not unusual but she had such a sense of um she does not live in Iran anymore she had a sense of repression and oppression and scarcity and your memories are celebratory and abundance and freedom it is so yeah so let me
1: tell you this if I can talk about my life in a way that you say you never want to live my life or I can talk about it in a way you say I envy how you're living mm-hmm. and it's the same life with the same experiences so um mm-hmm. of course I was born when there was war in Iran I remember when they were bombing my own city and I was in the shelter with my dad and my parents and the neighbors in the dark. And I was seeing when they were doing this, the light coming from the sky. And I knew that's not something good because we are hiding and people are scared. But at the same time, it looked beautiful to me. I was so young. I was like four years old. I'm like stars coming down. And, you know, and then we ha- I remember broken glasses of our building after the you know bombing of Iraq it is back, goes back to um, Iraq and Iran yeah, yeah, war yeah. Mm-hmm. I was six years old when the war was over okay and so of course I do have memories like that I do have a lot of feelings about being a woman and being in a country that is not letting you to be absolutely free but at the same time living actually in other countries has brought me this realization that you know i I don't know is it the neighbor's grass is greener or something like that yeah, Mm -hmm. the grass is always greener on the other side yeah absolutely and if you had interviewed me 10 years ago when I left Iran, I probably had a lot more to say about what is wrong about my own country. But now I've lived in three different continents and um, different cities, even in this among the same country. You know, East Coast, West Coast are totally different. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, then I'm in the UK, I've been in North and I'm in South which are very different again Mm -hmm. and you know France I can see everywhere you go there are things it's not acceptable Mm -hmm. it's limiting and of course there is a lot more back in my country but I choose to keep the good celebrate Mm -hmm. it and um, work towards to change the what is not right Mm -hmm. and I do that for my country back in Iran and I do I have a universal feeling now like for Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matters. I was very actually um, active in my thinking you know I was Mm -hmm. very involved with it Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at it like that at at the moment. I'm like, if something is wrong, is then it's wrong everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. If, you know what I'm saying? It's not. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I take the politics out of it. Yeah. Because if you want to look at it that way, you are just limiting. You are you are being biased. I don't want to be biased mm. about you know. If I, for example, if I don't agree with um, the way uh, the governor is you know running the country it doesn't mean that I have to uh banish everything good about it
0: yeah yeah Mm
1: -hmm. you know there's I don't really in 100% evil and 100% you know so Mm. that's it so if you go down and ask more questions of course I do have more to share but I decide to concentrate on what has built me and the good has built me way more Mm. than the dark sides I would say Mm. I or at least that's what I like to keep in and let go of the dark side but Mm. yeah one has its own mm. Um, yeah Um, as you can
0: imagine I think that is that is clear well getting out of your car during a traffic jam and having an instant party
1: (laughs) that's an amazing memory you know, there are there are a lot of things to cherish when you realize them and you lose them. That's Mm -hmm. another thing. So Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, a similar question that I have, I had this from the beginning, but I think this is a time to ask it is so you grew up in Iran, your husband was Iranian, but grew up in the US. How much of a did you feel like you were bringing two cultures together into your relationship and into your home and into raising your daughter? Or did it feel like because his heritage was Iranian, that was like uh, seamless, you know? Um, yeah. So I think at the beginning, uh, we did have some
1: differences in dad matter, but he also has been very attached to Iran uh, mm-hmm. and the culture mm-hmm. so it would have been different if he hadn't uh, right. Definitely, right. of course more seamless I would say than different and mm-hmm. um, that which helped both of us to um, build a relationship and be happier as a couple among all the moves we did mm-hmm. otherwise I don't know how <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. how we would have ended up having right? that having that shared heritage
1: yeah absolutely yeah you know i don't need to cook a food for him and explain it because yeah, yeah. he knows you know we we talk about we both love poetry and we just you know i just read a poem and he gets it it's not like he's out of co- context and culture he has been you know, very, very attached to it and very involved as well. And um, so, yeah, for us, it has been seamless. And he spoke the same language. Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. He has been born there and he moved when he was a young teenager. So, okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I can see that that was something that really drew you to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm, 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 mm. So um, I think this is a good time to actually talk about the dish, like as we're talking about these memories and stuff. So first of all, tell me how you pronounce this dish.
1: So it's Mirza Qasemi.
0: Mirza Qasemi.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mirza Qasemi. And what it means is actually the name of the person who created it. Really? Yeah. Oh, So Mirza means um, a nobleman. It was a title given to, you know, the royal people and, um, you know, the commanders and things like that. And Qasem and his name, his first name. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe he was the ambassador of Iran in Russia, like 160 years ago. And then he was the uh, governor of the northern part we were talking about that where my mother is from and the dish is from he was the governor there and um he just loved food and he created this dish
0: got it but I love that story <laughs> Yeah, so this dish is 160 something years old and wow yeah. and why did you choose this one
1: first I love it um I think you made it I hope You liked it too.
0: Yes. Well, anything with that much garlic, I'm a fan of.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I think a part that I absolutely love is that you actually uh, grill the eggplants on the fire. So it gets very smoky. I love that Mm -hmm. smoke. Mm -hmm. And um, why I chose this dish, I wanted to choose something from Guilan, you know, from the north because Again, as we spoke a lot, I have a lot of associations yeah. and, and with food and, you know, good memories with there. And another thing is my mom made this more, so many dishes. I was always fascinated by my mom making it because she was very loyal to making it on the fire. And we didn't have a barbecue yes. space for it. And uh-huh. so she was making it on the, we had gas stove. So, you know, it had flames. So she would just burn them there. And it was just amazing to me. You know, I was at the height of the. At eye I, level. Yeah, the eye level. And I would see, you know, the flame just burning it and the smoke coming out of it and the smell and everything was just so delicious to me. Mm. That's why I chose it. It just came in my
0: mind that mm. it should be this. Yeah, that's such a powerful sensory experience to watch it essentially engulfed in flames. And then again, what you read, wrote about this was equally as beautiful. I'm going to read it also. You said, I have vivid memories of my grandmother and mother cooking this dish. I remember standing there and looking at the peels, brightening up with the flames and turning red, then gray. And the smell was just amazing to me. This. Well, first of all, again, that's beautiful. (laughs) I just (laughs) loved reading what you wrote. It really I can tell that you love poetry, actually. Oh, cute. Um, in terms of making this, uh, I don't think I achieved, (laughs) it almost sounds like the eggplant was on fire and I was scared to do that. I cooked it on my grill outside, but you really, Uh I mean, you guys really just set, (laughs) set this thing on fire. Yeah, basically.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It burns. It really like when you
0: touch the skin, it gets. Um, powdered in your hand. It's ash. The skin turns yeah. to ash. So it's hot. You turn that flame up high.
1: Yeah. Okay. But and then it's going to be there for a short amount of time because the meat in the eggplants, especially the one we have in Iran are those narrow ones, mm-hmm. long, narrow, sweet ones. So it gets cooked with that high temperature very fast. So as soon as the skin burns, we Take him off. Okay. Like, that doesn't take long. But I have done it on a flame back there in America that it wasn't warm enough. Mm-hmm.
0: And it kind of cooked. Didn't get that smoke in it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I and I think that I did cook it incorrectly, like you're saying, because honestly, I was thinking in my mind, so my husband's Palestinian. Uh-huh. So baba ganoush is something that we, you know, make with eggplant and that's very different. It gets like kind of limp, mm-hmm. you know, but what you're doing, the meat, like you can't, you can't cube eggplant after you've cooked it for baba ghanoush. It's soft, you know, it mashes, but this still remained somewhat hard. You couldn't mash it. You would still be able to cut it. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And
1: because you are also going to cook it again you know, the next step, you're going to have it, you know, cooked with, um, you know, other ingredients. So it's going to get soft. At the end, it's going to be mushy, but not watery. Yeah, I think what
0: is important is you get the smoke in there. That's okay. That's what adds a lot of flavor. The way, again, the way you described it was so poetic and so beautiful. I've enjoyed this so much. I think what my mind is really just filled with right now is this idea that you are getting ready to move again. And again, this idea of home, you know, it's so funny. Every interview turns into something a little bit different than I thought it would be. And this one has really been about what does home mean? And and the idea of consciously curating your own definition of home. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've done with Iran. It's what you've done by gathering these things that you bring with you from place to place. It's what you've done by choosing a place or a career where you can maintain an identity from one place to another. It's a very fascinating concept to me. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or say or make sure that you know listeners heard?
1: uh about photography once I just decided to do what I enjoy it turned into something that I now can't think of living without it it gives me pleasure I have many plans for it I wake up every day with the love of doing it so what I want to say is try to find that thing without overthinking about the future it shouldn't be that you would be 100% free for it it shouldn't be that you are settled to try it what whatever time you have in hand you know I still don't have a DSLR I'm still (laughs) you know shooting with my point and shoot camera which is very it's a very decent camera but just go for it and put the fear aside and just try it Don't even tell anyone you're trying if you are and do it and do it and do it over and over till it becomes what you want it to be. That point is, I think, where you are going to feel free. And that's what photography has done to me. It has brought this freedom to my life that I can say I'm leaving to another country that I don't even speak the language yet but I do feel confident that I'm going to do fine mm. because now I'm having this thing that is part of me and I feel capable in it and I love it. I'm passionate about it. I'm taking it with me and it has changed my personal life as well. So that's right. it. That's amazing advice, honey. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. That has been a very, very um, sweet and
0: interesting and friendly talk the one last thing i just want to ask is can you tell everyone where to find you
1: at the moment i'm very active on instagram so but my website i would say if i get hacked or i don't know whatever happens i'm not on (laughs) uh, instagram my website which is honeyaniku.com. That's it's my first name last name you know, it, you can email me through the, uh, my website and keep in touch with me.
0: Thank you so much. And you have a great day. Okay. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Khanie for her time and thoughtful, authentic words. You can find all the ways to connect with her, as well as her smoked eggplant recipe, in the show notes by going to thestoriedrecipe.com and clicking on episodes. Also, I need your help we all know Thanksgiving this year is going to look very different for much, many of us. I'd love to bring a little joy to this season by producing a fun, crowdsourced episode featuring as many Thanksgiving stories as possible. For more details, please email me at, at storiedrecipe.com. That's just becky@thestoriedrecipe.com or direct message me on Instagram at storiedrecipe.podcast. Because this podcast audience is a global audience, fewer than half of the listeners are American. So if you are American, or if you've ever experienced an American Thanksgiving, I really, really need your story in order to pull off this episode. Even if you're not sure what to share, please email me. I have some prompts you can go off of. As always, I appreciate every act of support, including sharing and leaving reviews, and I absolutely depend on them in order to keep this podcast going and growing. Thank you and have a great week, my friends.